this podcast, including any related materials, such as show notes, links, and supportive materials, is provided by Metagenics Institute, the educational arm of Metagenics, Inc., for general informational and educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute medical advice and should not be considered a substitute for discussions between individuals and their healthcare providers. The podcast presenters' views are entirely their own and do not represent the views of Metagenics Institute, Metagenics, or any of their research partners and collaborators, collectively referred to as affiliates. Metagenics Institute and its affiliates do not endorse or recommend any specific healthcare providers, products, or other items or services that may be discussed or mentioned in this podcast. Podcast participants may receive compensation from Metagenics Institute and or its affiliates. Metagenics products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Dr. Miles Spar is an integrative medicine physician who specializes in men's health, and he's joining us on this episode of The Practice to discuss anxiety in men and why it is all too often undiagnosed until symptoms are severe. Many men feel they're supposed to feel anxious and they're supposed to feel stressed, and that's what keeps them on and keeps them effective and keeps them on the top of their game and respected. And they don't realize that it actually doesn't because they're not thinking as clearly when they're stressed and when cortisol is coursing through their veins too much. And they're actually reacting instead of responding. And so they're not Mm -hmm. making the best decisions, but they associate that feeling of stress with feeling on. Dr. Spar clarifies the difference between the anxious state that men have grown accustomed to and being in a flow state that brings focused effectiveness and helps men create the results they want to produce without wreaking havoc on their health and their happiness. If you are a man, if you treat men, if you have men in your life whom you love, this episode of The Practice is for you. Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Gottfried. I'm a personalized lifestyle medicine practitioner in the Bay Area, and I'm here with Dr. Miles Spar. Hi, good to be here. I'm an integrative medicine practitioner and a specialist in optimal men's health in Los Angeles area. So you take care of men. Yes. You take care of some women, too. Of course. You're classically trained as an internist, Mm -hmm. but you've been practicing for a while and doing integrative medicine. Right. I want to talk about anxiety because I feel like This is something that's really changed in terms of the way that I think about it versus, you know, now versus 25 years ago. Right. And I'm I'm just curious about how does anxiety show up for your male patients? You know, I think, and everything I say, by the way, is generalizing in a big way, obviously. And when we talk about men and women, I just want to put out that caveat that there are women that act and think and speak more stereotypically male in the way we associate male behavior, and there are men that are more typically female. So having said that, I would say in general, women are easier when it comes to things like anxiety because they will say, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling depressed, and I think it's because I'm anxious. They talk about their emotions more, like they wear them a little more. Yeah, and they've thought about them a little. Yeah. So they can articulate them and they can have some insight into them. Yeah, okay. And not that men don't, but men generally don't spend as much time thinking about it. So why is that? I think number one, they're not used to processing as much, not as comfortable processing and, and navel gazing or self-reflecting. They're more comfortable acting. And it isn't until someone else points out to them, usually a partner, someone that cares about them. Oh, you know, you're behaving in a way that makes me feel like you're anxious or you're depressed or, you're having some symptoms that could be related to that. Or, I hope I say it that nicely to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Generally not, but don't report it to me. Like you're being a... Mm. Um, or nobody will say that, but they'll just come in and say, I'm having headaches or stomach aches or irritable bowel the issues. The physical symptoms. Correct. Yeah. The physical symptoms. They won't mention sexual symptoms until you really pull that out, but they'll mention other physical symptoms. And you finally get to asking questions, as we do in integrative and functional medicine, right? We know... of the time, what brings the patient in is what they're telling you at first, that you need to do a little more making them feel comfortable, making them feel heard until you'll find out what the real issue is. And then you can kind of dig down. And even then, they won't name it necessarily. Mm. So So it's kind of this unnamed symptom that they're struggling with. 
and often really suffering with, right? Yes, yes. I mean, don't you see that? Like there's a cost to those anxious feelings. Absolutely. And a million different ways. I mean, there's a cost physically yes. and it's affecting them physically and they don't come in until that's fairly extreme, those symptoms. It's, there's a cost to their relationships. There's a cost to their performance. And I think part of the performance problem is many men feel they're supposed to feel anxious and they're supposed to feel stressed. And that's what keeps them on and keeps them effective and keeps them on the top of their game and respected. And they don't realize that it actually doesn't because they're not thinking as clearly when they're stressed and when cortisol is coursing through their veins too much and they're actually reacting instead of responding. And so they're not mm -hmm. making the best decisions, but they associate that feeling of stress with feeling on. And you have to kind of educate men oftentimes will actually flow feels different. It, mm -hmm. it has that edge to it, but it's a, it's a smooth, positive, I'm on edge as opposed to I'm on an anxious edge. This is super interesting. So what I hear you say is that there's this sense for men that that anxiety, that rev state is supposed to be the fuel right. that kind of drives them forward. Correct. And so maybe women are a little more sensitive to, oh, this rev doesn't feel quite good for me. Yeah, I think, I don't know why it is though, but I do know that women don't feel good when they feel that way, um, when they feel that edge. Whereas men, either they don't mind not feeling good about it, or they just associate it with being productive and effective in a, in a way that they don't understand that that actually isn't healthy. But women definitely, you're right, women are more in touch with the feeling of, okay, this doesn't feel good to me. This is, this is so curious to me because we know as practitioners of integrative and functional medicine that you can actually measure that dysfunction, right? You can measure the altered cortisol. You can measure the downstream hormones that right. get out of whack. You Correct. can measure the testosterone effects, which we're going to get into. Yes. You know we're going to get into testosterone. Of course. <laughs> Um, you can measure the shortened telomeres. Right. You can measure, I mean, there's so many things here. You can measure the um, changes to immune activity. I had this experience on a plane. So I was flying down here to see you. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman in front of me who kept saying to everyone around her, I'm an anxious flyer. And so she, you know, told the person on her right and her left. She told the flight attendant. And... And it occurred to me as I was listening to her, I mean, first I was so happy that she was owning her symptoms, which I think is important, that you're not suffering in silence, right. which it sounds like a lot of men do. Correct. But I also have to say, I've never seen a man on a plane say, I'm an anxious flyer. Right. Never seen that. They wouldn't admit to that. Right. Right. They would act it. They may not even realize it, and unless it's extreme, but yeah, they certainly don't report it. I mean, I think that Right now, we're going through a really interesting time with men because we're telling men, you need to be more open about your feelings. You need to tell your partner, your child, your parent, your doctor that you're having these symptoms. And yet, I don't know that all those other people other than the doctor really want to hear it. And That's the, true. And they That's sense true. that. They're not receptive. They're not. Brene Brown, who you turned me on to, she said what she found in her studying men, and she does small focus groups and talks to men, that they would say, you know, my daughter and my wife and the women, even things like my sister, they want me to be vulnerable and they want me to share my feelings. And yet when I do, the only way I can describe the look on their face is that of disgust. Totally, totally. It's yeah. like heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking to hear that. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. So I think as practitioners, we need to know that we're in a really weird time right now where we want men to feel more open, to be more open, to feel more vulnerable and feel comfortable with that. So we need to be the ones that's, that make sure they don't see disgust in our face, that they see receptivity, compassion, and they actually get tools. Because that's the other big thing I've learned about working with men is sometimes with women, you're done at that point. All, as long as you say, wow, I hear you, that's great. And you're kind of done like a lot the of the compassion, time. The that's what they need, the validation, and yeah. they just need to feel heard. With men, that's twenty percent of the time the case. They want, all right, what do I do, Doc? Yeah. If they, if how about you, some action here? Right. If you walk out at that point feeling like, oh wow, I made him feel heard, like you do when you walk out from seeing a woman, 
that's not, you're not doing service to that guy. And you need to really think, talk about supplements, diet, sugar, talk about other things going on in his life, what else he could do, give him some real tools, whether it's a meditation or a supplement or a food suggestion. So I think that the times right now are really tricky because we are trying to make sure women are more empowered and more heard and and there's a more equal playing field in, in all aspects of society. Um, and I th- I'm seeing more anxiety in men as a result because they don't know what their roles are anymore. While their roles weren't healthy for them before, the stereotypical I am protector, I am provider has a, a ton of its own stressors because then you feel less than if you're not always yes. the protector and the provider. However, it at least was a role. It was defined. Right. Like the... The terms were defined. Exactly. And, and now it, the terms are ill-defined. Very ill-defined. Very much. Which, which I kind of love. Right. It's, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it's, it's but exciting. It's, very, but... it's confusing and anxiety-producing yeah, for the people who are trying to find their way. Right. Exactly. Because anxi- I think a lot of anxiety comes from not having control over your own destiny, not knowing the rules mm. of the game. Um, and that's proven that that's, you know, work stress is largely from not having control over what you do on a daily basis and what your future holds in that job or in that position. And so this is huge. I want to really enunciate this point because I, I feel like, you know, if you look at the stress literature and you look at, you know, how do people respond to stress? We know that it's not the stress itself. It's the way we respond to it, especially if you have, you know, if I could take what you just said and kind of niche it down a little bit further, especially if there's that sense of helplessness or like powerlessness about it, like it's happening to you and you're not able to respond in an empowered way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's the big thing. Hopefully we all say to our patients is you're not going to get rid of stress. There is always going to be stress. There are always things you can't control and always ways you're going to feel powerless, but it's about what you do with that, how it affects you physically, how you learn to make sure that you're not getting damaged physically by that. Yeah. And I do find men are very responsive to that. Again, it's about solutions. It's about results. It's about practical tips and that validation. I like how you always do this. <laughs> when we talk about men, I get so frustrated. they want the solutions, the right. tools. I mean, I get very, that's my big passion. That's why I do men's health because I get so frustrated that a lot of what we as integrative and functional medicine practitioners have learned isn't as results oriented as many men respond to. And that's why I think many of us see more women in our practice than men, because yeah. men are like, all right, they're going to tell me to eat healthier and, uh, and I don't want to stop eating hot dogs. And they're going to tell me to exercise more and I need to do that anyway. But we haven't been telling them why they need to do those things. So anyway, with the well, stress. Well, that's where you come in. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we and I think we have. Dr. Spar. Exactly. But we not, and we also have though, all these ways to, Minimize the impact of stress on the body. Um, methods that we never had before. I used to have to send someone to a mindfulness-based stress reduction class for eight weeks with a full-day yeah. meditation retreat. Right, yeah, right. Get a guy to happen. do that. Not going to happen. <laughs> now I tell them there are many apps that are really great sure. that they can just pull out, Headspace or Calm love or Inside Headspace. Timer, 10% Happier, which I love. Love 10% Happier. Can we well, just talk about guy. that for a moment? Yes, that's a very oh guy my thing. Because Dan, Dan Harris. Harris. Yes, exactly. So Dan Harris, he was like a great messenger. <laughs> he was such a great... Okay, let's talk about Dan. Yes, for a moment was, yes. because so he had this on-air meltdown right right so he's this newscaster he's talking about ironically he was talking about statins and yeah. like the problems with statins but a pretty benign piece and he's used to being in war zones he's used to doing really high power yeah. he's on abc nightline and abc news and yeah. good morning i think it was like a good morning america not a big heavy hitting piece right yeah so you can you can actually google dan harris meltdown and watch this piece, which he talks about himself because it was such a pivotal moment for him. And he's online and you can just kind of see him talking about the statins and all of a sudden he's sweating profusely. He's stammering. He's breathing shallowly and rapidly. You you can kind of imagine his heart is racing. He's having an on-air panic attack. And then what happened? So he had never had a panic attack. So he didn't know. He was like, what the is this going on? I'm used to being in war zones. It can't be anything related to stress or anxiety because I thrive off that. Just like I was saying before, I'm a stress junkie. Um, So as a journalist would, he went into an investigative endeavor to find out what the heck was this? 
what happened, what was going on physiologically, chemically in my brain and in my body to make that happen and how do I prevent it from happening? And wrote a book called 10% Happier, which is very accessible, especially for men because he's not woo-woo. Yeah, and it's very... Even women like it. Really? See? It's not all men. So he basically goes through this process of looking at what's legit about not getting rid of stress again, but getting rid of how stress impacts you physically in negative ways. Yes. And so he kind of... There was also some cocaine involved. Right. Well, (laughs) not in getting rid of the stress response. No, but yeah, he had a little (laughs) bit of a history. But he weeds out all the kind of woo-woo and finds the legit ways that you can decrease the impact of stress on the body. And then he developed his own app and all of that. And it's funny, the title's funny because he calls it 10% Happier because he says everyone kind of made fun of him at work because he used to be this like cocaine, stress junkie kind of guy. And suddenly he's like meditating in his office and his colleagues like Diane Sawyer and Barbara Walters were like, oh, what are you all like meditating? You're all like woo all the time. And he says, no, but you know, I'm probably 10% happier than I was before. And they're all like, I'll take 10% happier if I just have to sit and breathe for 20 minutes and I'm 10% happier, I'll take it. So, yeah, so it's And I love like, that too because, you know, most of the self-help books have these ridiculous promises that right. no one can live up to and right. then they feel bad about themselves because they're not transforming their lives right. in a weekend. Right. And so I love that 10% happier promise. Yeah, it's not it's change terrible. your life and it's just based on doing some breathing and learning to be more intuitive with, or more attentive to your thoughts. Um, and he calls himself a fidgety s- skeptic, right. you know, and in, in that he like, this is the last thing he ever imagined for himself right. that he would be sitting and meditating. Right. And then I love his app too, because he interviews all these thought leaders in meditation and really has these conversations that come alive. He's a journalist. He knows how to right. do that. And then he has them, those folks take us through these exercises that are really helpful. Exactly. And it's a million different ones. So if one person's voice makes you crazy, you just pick another one. And I love it. And this is especially good for guys because it's very, it's all divided by time. So you can pick a two minute meditation. <laughs> you can pick a five minute. Okay. So, women like that too. I know, but j- exactly. But it, And it's good for anybody right now where you can say, let's just start one step at a time. One yeah. step at a time. Start with the two minute and then let me know how that went. And then we can go up to five minutes. So yeah, it works out. I do. I work with NBA players um, on how to be better. Okay, let's performers. talk about this because I am obsessed with the NBA. Yeah, well, that's because you live in the Golden State territory. So Steph Curry, yeah. Kevin Durant, Draymond oh Green, God. yeah, Clay Whatever. Thompson. Whatever. Can I do it like that? <laughs> so anyway, but it's interesting because they what the NBA sought us out as integrative medicine practitioners. So all of you out there who are integrative and functional medicine practitioners feel proud that the NBA sought us out because they were getting these health talks every year and they were the same old basic talks that everybody knows, all right, this is what you should be eating in general and you should be, you know, working on sleep this way in very bland kind of ways. Yeah, nothing very interesting. Anyway, so (laughs) they were like, our guys, our players want to know more. They understand there's all this about ketogenic diets or paleo diets or vegan diets and there are a lot of plant-based NBA players. What's that about? What about these apps? Yes. And at least one player from each team has one of these meditation apps. Yes. Are they legit? Well, it Which ones are good? Hugely. It's like the smartest thing in the world. Exactly. So they wanted to know about stress management, everything we're talking about. How do you deal with stress? These are guys in their like 18 to 30s that are realizing this is important to their game literally and figuratively, you know, that This is huge. This. I mean, I mean you look at some of these guys, you know, they they're up for a championship. They must have performance anxiety. Like of they're course, facing yeah. anxiety too. Right. But it, they realize that there's anxiety that keeps you sharp. And then there's anxiety that just kind of undermines. And especially in, in something like basketball where injury, that's it. It's yes. over. You get a really bad ankle sprain. You're out from tons of games. And a lot of those ankle sprains and those injuries happen when you're not really in your body, when you're not really present and focused and know when you go up for a shot where your body is and how you're going to land. And if you're just stressed and you're not in control of your thoughts and your prefrontal lobe is shut off completely, then you're going to fall funny. And that's, I think in some ways that's kind of a, a simplified concept in my mind of anxiety where you're you're not in the present moment. You're future tripping. You're thinking about your right, past. Exactly. You're like perseverating on some um, 
worry that's maybe out of proportion to what the actual reality is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that you brought in the MBA. Now, I remember we had a little text a while ago where you were talking about lavender in your MBA. Yes. Place. Can we oh talk about God. that for a moment? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's hard to put the two together. Yeah, things you wouldn't think. <laughs> it's hilarious. So, okay. So the first part that's funny about this is, so it's the MBA. These guys get paid, you know, gazillions of a dollars, lot of money. right? Yeah. So they give us, we go to each team and we do a little presentation on stress, sleep, because sleep is a big issue, the, you know, night games and all that, and diet as it relates to performance, and they have to come, okay? And if they don't come, they pay a $20,000 Oh, my penalty. gosh. Okay. Wow. Yet, they ask us to give them these little leatherette packets that are like Naga hide, whatever fake leather, with like a candle <laughs> and a little thing of lavender spray. <laughs> it has like three things in this little bag, and it has a really bad font NBA on it. It was just looked like you would buy it you know, in Times Square on the street or something. So I was like, seriously, these guys, if you don't give them their bag. <laughs> Where's my bag? Where's my bag? I didn't get my bag. And I was like, <laughs> you're making like gazillions of dollars. This is like $1.99 <laughs> made in China, but whatever. They love the lavender. They'll be like, oh, is it lavender in this year? <laughs> That's <laughs> because lavender, lavender works. It works. It works. Oh, yeah. I spray it. I get home. I spray it in the air, and it's awesome. So, yes, they ask about aromatherapy. Well, good for them because they realize that there are randomized trials showing that lavender essential oil actually reduces there anxiety. You, you can use it as aromatherapy. You can use it as a oral, ingestible. Right. It's actually as effective as some benzodiazepines. It does, yeah. And lemon balm, also really good for more calmness but not making you tired, keeping you alert but more calm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about food okay. and anxiety. Yes. And I have to preface this with a little quick story about... Um, I remember listening to you talk at a conference and you were saying, you know, when you talk to guys and you talk about diet, right? you know, kind of listing the reasons why they should eat this diet doesn't really hit home. Right. But if you say oh, that that burger... <laughs> oh, my God. Can you just share The penile artery. <laughs> I hope this is going to be... No, so, yeah, so it... Very hard to get guys to change their behavior for some nebulous, far Big off reason. Right, yeah. reason. Oh, you might get a heart attack in five years, so you really shouldn't eat that hot dog. Yeah. Most guys are not going to even slow down in ordering that hot dog. You're not motivating. No. Them. Yeah. But then you start talking about, well, you know, hot dog leads to plaque in your arteries, and you know the smallest artery in your body is your penile artery. And of course, they all respond, not my penile artery. <laughs> I have a really big <laughs> penile artery. So you have to then say, no matter what the size of anything else, the artery is one of the smallest arteries. And if you're going to get blockage in your arteries, that's one of the first places you're going to notice it. So eat that hot dog, but you're going to have less blood flow right where you want it. And suddenly the hot dog gets a little bit farther away. So I love how you have identified the way to motivate a man to change his eating habits. I just think that's so important. So I'm wondering if that right. maps onto anxiety. And the way that people should eat. Yeah, I think, again, it has to be tied to something that matters to them. So if you're dealing with a guy where his issue isn't erections, but it's anxiety. So first, like we said, you have to identify that and clue him in that his irritable bowel issues or his migraine or his brain fog or his souring relationship with his kids or his partner has to do with anxiety. Then you've labeled it, you've named it, then you can start to say, and you know, we now know that there are certain things that you can do to help with that and certain things that make it worse, like things in your diet, like sugar in your diet, which can make anxiety worse, or like things that might make you feel good momentarily, but then make you feel worse later. For example, alcohol. Drinking too much alcohol. Yes. You know, we know that it messes up neurotransmitters in the brain, and so that's why... even you kind of pass out if you drink too much, but then you have a really fitful night's sleep because mm-hmm. at first you've stimulated all this GABA, but then you have this rebound of glutamate that's too early and it's waking you up in the I middle of the night. I love it when you talk GABA and glutamate <laughs> like that. It's so exciting. But it, no, but you explain it to them, and as long as you say, so this is the direct correlation. You, yes. You know, you eat these kind of foods. They're inflammatory. They're going to mess up your ability to to process different 
neurotransmitters, different chemicals, or they're gonna affect your gut in ways and you explain how much of the nervous system is around the gut, how much of the feel-good chemicals that help control anxiety come from the gut and how if your gut isn't working, your feel-good chemicals aren't working and your anxiety gets out of control. So as long as you make that connection with them, they're gonna really try it out. And then you tell them, you know what? Hold me accountable, just try this for a month. Don't eat processed foods for a month. Or whatever you think might be affecting their gut in a way that's messing up neurotransmitters. Don't eat wheat for a gut for a month. Don't eat dairy for a month, whatever. And it's it's one step at a time, especially with diet. One step at a time. I very rarely will do a full elimination diet unless it's a real primary issue with a guy. I'll try one thing at a time, which is a much slower way to do it but you're much more likely to get somebody to comply with it and then be able to feel like you're holding yourself accountable because you're saying, I'm so good at helping you narrow down what's affecting your anxiety, let's say, that we're gonna check in every three weeks, you're gonna cut out just this one thing, you can manage cutting out that one thing and then we're gonna check in in three weeks, if there's no change, we'll try something else. You're kind of in in it with them. I love this real world advice because you know we're kind of taught just put everybody on an elimination diet. Like it it solves eighty percent of problems. Just you know cut out these seven things, and which is a lot. It's a lot, and it's I think a lot of patients kind of give up because it's too daunting. Right. It's too dramatic of a change. So I like right. this idea of kind of the on ramp, yeah. sort of the slow on ramp, one step at a time. I mean that's one of my main rules of thumb. And again, it is slower, but it's pretty overwhelming to give someone five different things to do. Unless they're going to work with a coach, which I highly advocate, and I love it when my patients are willing to work with a health coach, because then they're the ones that can check in with them every week for a quick phone call. But if they're not, we get, again, so proud of ourselves for making this awesome plan with all these supplements to take. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful. And just take out all these things, which your family love to eat, and I don't know how you're gonna socialize, but you're gonna take all, including alcohol, and you're gonna start exercising. you socialize with me, and I don't drink alcohol. No, but add to the dietary (laughs) changes. We have to change that too. It's interfering with our relationship, I think. And you give them this great plan, and then they walk out completely overwhelmed and yeah. don't they, even do don't one do of them. They're just like, yeah, oh. forget it. As opposed to you saying, you know what? Here's the big picture. We're going to eventually hit all these things. But until I see you next, just do this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's check back in in a few weeks and see how you feel. So I'm, I'm so glad that you raised the issue of alcohol because I feel like so many of our patients with anxiety are medicating themselves with alcohol. Yes. You know, definitely. like they have this this kind of rev, this um, anxious feeling, especially at the end of the day. Especially, or marijuana now, CBD. Or marijuana. Right. Yeah. And, you know, what I often see for my patients is that they have a glass or two of wine. This is women. And then the next day their cortisol levels higher. Mm-hmm. They have more anxiety. The very thing that they thought they were treating with the alcohol is actually getting worse the mm-hmm. next day, mm-hmm. which maybe is related to the GABA and glutamine right. um, dance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's such an important message in terms of the way that so many of our patients are self-medicating on their own right. and how that's undermining their goals. Right. So CBD, let's talk a little bit about that. So we know that anxiety is the number one reason why people uh, okay. reach for marijuana. Uh-huh. Um, and yet it's not actually that well proven right. in randomized trials to be that helpful. Right. So what's your experience with, with that? My experience, well, first of all, we're in California, so we have had a longer experience <laughs> with it. A lot of experience. Medical marijuana now, really anyone can get it. I mean, I've had pretty good experience with CBD, yes. I have to say, with yes. patients. Um, and the data is better on yeah, CBD the, the, than with much THC. Be- right. I don't often recommend THC um, because it does have psychoactive issues and unless there are other issues that you need to use it for. Um, because I feel like when we're talking about anxiety specifically, I feel like you get a lot more bang for your buck without the psychoactive side effects of CBD. And um, of course, sourcing is important. It's really important because there's a lot of hemp oil that doesn't even really have CBD in it. But we know there are tons of CBD receptors in the brain and there are a lot of endocannabinoids that already stimulate those receptors. And so there are legitimate pathways that seem to be very well affected by CBD oil if if it's a good quality product. Nice. So I've had great success for for sleep, for relaxation, for anxiety, um, for pain. Yes, inflammation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I I think is, you know, when I went through my medical training, which was um, 
a just little a couple longer. years ago, right? <laughs> it's 25 years anniversary. So Doesn't when she I, look amazing? <laughs> Some CBD oil. <laughs> so when I went through my medical training, I was really taught that anxiety is a mental health illness. Right. Like it's it's this disease state that you, you know, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder. Social phobia. Social phobias. Right. There's all these, you know, different terms. Right. And what I found in practice is that... Um, you know, kind of this pill for every ill. Mm-hmm. So what I was taught is, you know, benzos right. for anxiety. It just doesn't work. Like it, it takes people from that high rev down a little lower, but it's masking symptoms. It's not addressing the root cause. Right, absolutely. And my thought has really changed over time, especially as we've learned more about the gut-brain axis, as you were talking about earlier with neurotransmitters, now more, something like, what, 400 times more are produced in your gut than in your brain. Right. So my my thoughts have really changed about this, that anxiety is a symptom in a lot of our patients of a gut-brain axis that's disrupted, right. of a problem with increased intestinal permeability, Definitely. and then um, an issue with the blood-brain barrier integrity. Right. And so, um, so inflammation, I always think about, like, how do we help our patients address the inflammation? So I'm just curious about how that shows up in your practice, how you deal with that. Yeah, I mean, I think the th- three big ways I deal with it, one is the gut issues and looking at the diet. And that's a big place to start because all the processed food, all of the non-organic fruits and vegetables, all of the exposure to chemicals are definitely affecting the gut and causing leaky gut. And that's a big issue. Sleep is another one, though. I think that's a really, really big issue. So, And I find that is a big issue with men. And it's related to that idea of if I'm, I'm only on and effective if I'm anxious, it's the same kind of thing of I'm tough. I should be able to get by with five hours of sleep or six hours of sleep. And most studies show there are the occasional person that could get away with that. But most people need seven to nine hours of sleep. 3% 3% of the population has the short sleep gene. Okay, only 3, right. So 97% so, of us exactly. need, need the, the 7 to 9. Exactly. exactly. And um, so that's another thing that I think has a lot to do with anxiety because um, I talk a lot about the whole sleep deprivation, rise in cortisol link and how the body needs energy. And if you're not rested, it's going to get energy by craving carbs and increasing cortisol, which is going to make you crave more carbs and it's going to drive the cortisol up. And then that all raises your blood sugar. And then that's going to cause you to feel more tired when you crash. And then you're going to just continue this vicious cycle. And you have belly fat. And then you don't want to wear a bikini when you go to Hawaii. Right. Exactly. Um, I definitely don't want to wear a bikini. (laughs) (laughs) So I think sleep is the big thing that we don't talk enough about with patients. Oh, that's so true. Do you track your sleep? I do. Oh my God. <gasps> my oh, new favorite wait, wait, thing. Wait, 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 this is my look. new favorite. Yay, look, we have our aura. <laughs> so you look at your sleep tracking. Yes. What do you look at first? Like I look, I look at, at this. The I do this before I meditate. Oh, okay. Like I have to look oh, at my I'm sleep not that data. Obsessive. Mine doesn't seem to click in that quickly. Oh. I look at how many hours of because it tells you hours of deep sleep and hours of REM sleep. So that's what yeah. I'm really excited. Okay, so what do you what makes you happy with your deep sleep uh, and good your REM? question. Hour and a half. If I can have an hour and a half of both, yeah, same. which is still suboptimal a little bit for the deep, REM, hour and a half is good. You should get about two, two and a half of deep. But yeah, if I can get an hour and a half of each, I'm good. Oh, I'm so happy with 90 minutes of deep. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, oh, it's going to be a good day. Yeah, see, Look isn't out. that funny? But this is what's <laughs> exciting. To this, this, we are practicing medicine in the most exciting time, yes. honestly, because there's stuff like this. This technology, being able to track yourself. I right. think these are tools that map onto anxiety, Well, that's right? the thing. Yeah. It's not just the tool. It's about the tool linking to a goal that you've established yes. that matters to that. That patient. Yes. That matters to the guy you're talking to because then you can look at, okay, let's see why you don't feel good. Why are you not on at work or you haven't lost the belly fat or sex is bad or whatever the issues with that guy, again, getting back to what matters to him, then you can say, well, let's look at that. So, you know, if you're able to afford, these aren't that expensive, you're able to afford a sleep tracking device, let's track that. And let's have you just tell me on a scale of one to 10, this issue that matters to you, what is it every day for a week? And then let's look at your sleep and see, does that correlate? Okay, that doesn't. Now let's try cutting out sugar. Oh my God, look at that. When you eat a bunch of sugar, that's when your self-score on that thing that matters to you is really low. I love doing stuff like that. And we have more and more tools to do that than we've ever had before to really track and hone in on what matters and what we can really then recommend to patients. So do you use this with your anxious patients? Like there's also... 
there's sort of a point of diminishing returns with tracking a little too much right, with absolutely. anxiety. Well, not with OCD patients. So, you know, as we know, there are tons of different kinds of anxiety. Yes. So if it's like an OCD patient, There's not patient, as much no. OCD in the women. Right. Men have more OCD. Men have more. Yeah. The only th- women lead in anxiety in pretty much all parts except for social phobia. I think it's about tide. Yes. And OCD. Um, so yes, you, for, with lead. anxiety, that's a nice you way lead. to put you it. Lead. You win, like double. <laughs> women have like double the risk of anxiety. It's like yeah. a third or something crazy of women it have score high on anxiety markers. But if somebody's anxious, meditation, in the way it's typically practiced, that people, when you just say meditation, think of, let me stop my thoughts and focus on a mantra is actually not great for people who are anxious because it just makes them more anxious when they fail at it. Whereas mindfulness is really good because it's giving you a focus. You're saying you're not trying to stop your thoughts. You're watching your thoughts. So it's, I don't know many people who are successful at stopping their thoughts. Right. I don't either. And so it's just going to make you more anxious and make you feel bad about yourself and all that. But so it's the same though with this tracking thing. It's about really, you know, like we do in functional and integrative medicine, meet a patient where they're at. If it's somebody who is just going to obsess about it, like blood pressure, you know, I mm-hmm. will mostly tell patients, I don't want you checking it more than twice a week. You know, whatever, I don't care if you get a cuff, don't check it more than twice a week. So the same thing. If it's somebody who likes more knowledge about their bodies and more information is better and it's actionable, yeah, then I'll use these things. There are lots of other trackers out there. The reason I also like this and other devices is because it tracks heart rate variability as well. Oh, can we talk about HRV, please? Because that <laughs> I is, I think, so buttons. helpful yes, with anxiety. Yes, and we haven't, uh, except for heart math, which is great, yes. but it requires this thing that you clip on your ear, which most people dorky. yeah, are not going to do. And the ones that use the camera on the phones haven't been shown to be very accurate. It's more buggy. Yeah. So this, the Garmin actually checks it. The new Apple Watch series, whatever that is, I think it's Series 4, is supposed to be able to check heart rate variability better. So can you just mention what is heart rate variability? How does it relate to anxiety? Why do we even care about it? Why should they bother? So, you know, normally your heart rate actually changes over time. It changes with your respiration, and it should change you know, fairly evenly, at, you know, goes up and it goes down, goes up and it goes down. But when you're really stressed, your heart rate variability goes down so that the changes from moment to moment of your heart rate actually shrinks down to like in the 20s or 30s if you're going to assign a number to it because you're so stressed, there's so much cortisol, your heart rate's a little raised and it just stays in this, I got to react or fight or flight kind or freeze, rigid. right, yeah. as opposed to a normal it gets a little faster, a little slower, a little faster, a little slower. And so there are lots of studies that really show that it's a very efficient marker of sympathetic nervous system activity. And so... Which um, we've known for like 25 years. Exactly. Like I remember hearing lectures on this way back in the olden days when I was in medical school. Right. And HeartMath is a nonprofit that's terrific. You can basically train your brain rhythms to be a little healthier and your heart rate variability to increase back to its normal natural rate. So how's your HRV? It's like in the. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> oh my God, I'm like no ashamed. judgment. I There's going to be no look of okay, disgust on my the, face. Like high 40s, 50s. That's fine. <laughs> You're working hard. But what's important is so heart variability is because I did this piece for Men's Journal magazine. They asked what are like the five markers men need to know for their health, for their yes. fitness. Yes. And I was like resting heart rate, VO2 max, and those I can say. An elite athlete is here. Uh, a regular athlete who's you know, an amateur but still pretty athletic is here, and somebody who's a couch potato is here. You can say all that with VO2 max, with resting heart rate, with waist circumference. But they were saying, well, what about for heart rate variability? There isn't really an optimal. There's what's good for you and what isn't good for you. So, I mean, in my mind... personalized. Yes, exactly. So it's not like 60 is great for everybody. If you're normally you know, 70, then 60 means you're stressed. So it's kind of just exactly, it's individual. I'd be happy with 60. (laughs) (laughs) We're such geeks. Oh my God. Yeah. How about your NBA players? I can't imagine Draymond Green with a little ear clip, but I could imagine him with an aura ring. Yes, I'll bet. Well, you know, um, what's the baseball, Major League Baseball, MLB, Mm -hmm. uses another device called Whoop. Okay. which is similar. It measures heart rate variability. It goes around the wrist. It does a lot of the same thing. Aura Ring's really focused on sleep. Whoop yeah. is really focused on athletics and strain. So they measure heart rate variability, resting heart rate, um, a couple of the measures that help determine how equipped and fit an individual is to really work out hard that day. So they can say, 
you know what, based on what we're picking up with the Whoop device, you either didn't get sleep or you drank before you went to bed or something is off so that your resting heart rate and your heart rate variability is off. And today's workout shouldn't be as hard as you had planned versus, oh my God, you're ready today. Mm -hmm. So coaches all over Major League Baseball are using Whoop devices with their players to individualize. It's like a feedback device. It's super helpful. Yeah. And to plan a workout. So instead of just having a workout planned months in advance, regardless of how someone's feeling or what kind of shape they're in, and then they can get injured if they go too hard, they can say, all right, this is you know generally what we want to accomplish. How hard you go depends on what your whoop says. This is so smart. So it can be, okay, you go do a high intensity interval training right. today. Right. You go to yoga. You need recovery. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I want to ask you about... Um, how you approach anxiety? So we've talked about things, dietary things like cutting out the sugar, cutting out the alcohol. We haven't gotten to caffeine yet. That's, I think, a huge topic. It seems like so many of my anxious patients are slow metabolizers of caffeine, right. and I just have to get them off of caffeine. Do you right. find that too? I don't find a lot of them. I do some of the genetic tests, so I do find... It's interesting. I don't find that many are. The ones that are, it's like... a. A light bulb. Oh, okay. I get it. Yes. That's why I'm jittery and like crazy. And it's not just the coffee. coffee. Right. It's obviously, it's all the energy drinks and the different forms of caffeine that we see in all sorts of these. You can even get caffeinated. What did I say? Oh, at the gas station. I know you're not supposed to fuel your body where you fuel your car, but um, I did need a little cup of coffee at the gas station, little store. They had on their regular coffee decaf and then <laughs> extra caffeinated coffee. Oh. So, yeah. So yeah. It's, Ruin it's yourself everywhere. a little further. Right. Okay. So, anyway. So but yes, you didn't so take ca- that option. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a slow <laughs> metabolizer of caffeine, so I may have chosen okay. that option. <laughs> uh, I, won't, I won't commit <laughs> don't one judge, way or another. Don't judge me. No judgment. No look of disgust. Right. <laughs> so, so what else do you do from a dietary perspective? And then I want to also talk about like the treatments. It would be more individualized looking at, can we kind of identify things that could be causing problems in your gut? So the general categories are things that we talk about in an elimination diet. Only, like I said, I just usually do it one thing at a time. But the biggest kind of culprit is usually the processed foods. And it's usually um, fast foods or packaged foods or things that um, just aren't really made in a, in a healthy way um, because everyone's on the run and everyone's eating fast. And then the second thing are processed meats that you see, especially yes. with guys. Um, and that's an easy fix because most guys are very responsive to the proven link between processed meats and cancer, number one. And even though, again, that's a far off thing, cancer is kind of a big one. Um, but also talking about how much it impacts just their way of uh, their inflammation in their body in general mm-hmm. and how they think and how they feel in their gut and their weight and all of that. So those are the main dietary things. I think in terms of pharmaceuticals, it's a it's a go-to for some guys, but it's really a last option in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, there are tons of supplements that are so effective for anxiety, more than a lot of other conditions. Mm-hmm. Supplements give you a quick fix. Yes. And um, it's rare that supplements give as quick a fix as pharmaceuticals, but I think with anxiety, we're fortunate because there are, you know, things that like the lemon balm, valerian root hops combo um, with passionflower. That's great. Passionflower has been shown to be as effective as, I forget which benzodiazepine. But one of them. One of them literally has been shown to be as effective as like a half a milligram of it wasn't clonopin, but it was one of those. So there are really good supplements for anxiety. And then there's also great supplements for anxiety that don't make you tired. Those the ones I mentioned are great for nighttime and for mm-hmm. helping you rest. Mm-hmm. But for some guys, they want to get rid of the anxiety, but they want to get rid of the anxiety during the day yes. because you've just told them that they, that feeling of anxiety actually isn't helping them be more productive. It's actually interfering with their ability to think creatively and to be on their game. But then you can't tell them to take valerian root in the middle of the day because right. they'll be tired. So there are these adaptogens that we many of us probably know about, like holy basil and ashwagandha and other things that really, yeah. again, give you a quick fix where they will notice the difference yes. pretty quickly. like rhodiola. Absolutely. Um, I also Cordyceps. Like, yeah, for sure. And magnesium. Magnesium, oh, yeah. magnesium also is great. Super, super helpful. Yes. So I can't help but talk about hormones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, it's huge. No, it's huge. There's a big link. Yes. And so then, let's talk about hormones talk and about anxiety. 
Yeah, so absolutely proven low testosterone causes anxiety, literally. And that's a big statement, yes. causes anxiety. And there's, this, I get so frustrated when I have patients that come to me having seen other doctors who have given them benzos or given them antidepressants and never and checked never their checked testosterone. The, yeah, makes me insane. Yeah, there is a direct link that low testosterone causes a lot of symptoms other than just sexual dysfunction. It yes. causes uh, energy being low, it causes depression, and it causes muscle mass, and it causes anxiety. And there have been very good studies showing treatment of said low testosterone actually treats the anxiety very effectively. So with testosterone in women, another thing that happens when women have low testosterone is that confidence drops. Right. You know, kind of the sense of agency. Right. Is that also true in men? I imagine yes, it might definitely, be. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's a feeling disempowered in general. Yes. yes. Which maps onto anxiety. Right. And like you said about women, yeah, there are studies also showing giving a little bit, obviously, lower dose of testosterone to women can help some women with anxiety. Yes. So something to look at with HRT when women. So. Oh, let me mention one other thing. Yes. DHEA, I think, oh, yes. as we're talking about hormones. So, you know, I'm sure most people know DHEA is another androgenic hormone, right? It it targets some of the same testosterone receptors, some different androgenic receptors, but it's very important in libido. And it comes from mostly the adrenal gland. That's a big problem in guys who are stressed for long periods of time because then they have, whether you believe in adrenal fatigue or not, measure it, you'll see their DHEA is low and it's probably because their adrenal gland has just been overactive and hasn't been producing enough. And their cortisol is probably off as well and giving them DHEA can really help with that. Well, I, I believe in the allopathic literature, we can at least agree that burnout and HPA dysregulation right. leads to the low DHEA. Yes. And, um, and DHEA replacement makes a difference. Absolutely. And certainly in perimenopausal women, it also helps yeah. with depression. And libido. Yes. Huge. For yes. sure. So as we wrap up, mm -hmm. thinking about anxiety, thinking about kind of your evolving perspective of anxiety as an integrative physician, what would you say? to clinicians who are listening, to patients who are listening about kind of the, the best way to approach it? I would say, first of all, recognize it. So many symptoms are just manifestations of anxiety. And so certainly you want to work up those symptoms, but don't forget to consider, oh, is this anxiety and kind of test does it seem worse when I'm in situations that make my anxiety worse? If your anxiety is social anxiety, is it when you are about to have to go to some event that you really are nervous about? If it's OCD, is it something related to that? So I think first of all, recognizing it. And second of all, then if you feel anxiety is part of it, the big three that we've talked about that I think really are important to keep balance would be sleep, stress management, and diet. And really looking at those very closely to see, is it one, two, or three of those things that are off that are making the anxiety worse? Recognizing that you're not going to get rid of stress in your life. And so if it's gotten to that point of causing symptoms and you need to look at those three things, then start to look at the supplements. If once, but, but unless you're getting those kind of in balance, pharmaceutical supplements aren't going to do the trick if you're still off with your diet and you're not doing some kind of stress management. And it may not be mindfulness. It could be prayer. It could be journaling. It could be breath work. It could be... Calling a girlfriend. Yeah. So I love that because I, I feel like, you know, if we go back to the gut-brain axis, those three foundations that you just described, the food, the stress management, the sleep, those are so important for the gut. Like if you just cover those three things, right, right. I feel like it it impacts the gut in such a positive way. I mean, Absolutely. maybe it's almost like Pareto's law. Like you can get 80% of the benefit Absolutely. with 20% of the focus there. Definitely. And I think, yeah, and we're, we're hearing more and more about things that you can do for the gut and how much it's related. Maybe, you know, maybe mediated by biome, maybe mediated by neurotransmitters, but it's an important place to start. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Dr. Miles Spar, well, for pleasure. joining me today. You, it was so Sarah fun Godfrey. to talk about this. Thank you. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for being with us for this episode of The Practice. You'll find extensive show notes, including links and supportive materials over at thepracticepodcast.tv. While you're there, explore other topics and use the Ask and Answer button to ask your burning questions and give your insights about the topic. After all, the future of medicine lies in dialogue, not dogma. Let's transform medicine together by connecting on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You'll find all the links at thepracticepodcast.tv.
This podcast, including any related materials such as show notes, links, and supportive materials, is provided by Metagenics Institute, the educational arm of Metagenics Inc., for general informational and educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute medical advice and should not be considered a substitute for discussions between individuals and their healthcare providers. This podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship and should not be considered a substitute for the independent professional judgment of any physician or healthcare professional regarding the appropriate course of action for a particular patient or individual. Metagenics does not make any guarantees regarding the accuracy, completeness, or usefulness of this podcast for any particular purpose. Listeners may use this podcast at their own risk and patients should not disregard or delay seeking advice from their healthcare providers based on the content of this podcast. Participation through the Ask and Answer button is optional, and no participant should feel obligated to provide personal details, including about any diagnosis, symptoms, or other health-related information. Neither Metagenics Institute nor any of its affiliates seek this information, and it is not necessary to participate in the dialogue regarding this podcast. The podcast presenter's views are entirely their own and do not represent the views of Metagenics Institute, Metagenics, or any of its research partners and collaborators, collectively referred to as affiliates. Metagenics Institute and its affiliates do not endorse or recommend any specific healthcare providers, products, or other items or services that may be discussed or mentioned in this podcast. Podcast participants may receive compensation from Metagenics Institute and or its affiliates. Listening to this podcast does not obligate you to purchase, use, recommend, or prescribe any Metagenics or Metagenics Institute products or services, including their educational materials. Metagenics products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Unless approved by Metagenics Institute, this podcast must be used only for personal, non-commercial purposes. This podcast has no independent economic value and is intended to comply with all applicable laws. It may be rescinded, revoked, or amended at any time without notice. Listeners who are patients should talk to their healthcare providers if they have any questions regarding the content discussed in this podcast. Listeners who are healthcare professionals may obtain more information by visiting metagenicsinstitute.com, calling 888 690 8500 or emailing med ed at metagenicsinstitute.com.